1: Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor in chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlinks a on the Buffalo Rumlinks Podcast Network. As always, you can send in your off-season questions to us on our voicemail line at 716-508-0405, or you can text that number as well, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlinks a That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Send us emails, Buffalo Rumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will make their way to me as well. Lots of voice to ask your questions this offseason. I am recording on my backup setup today. My wife and I moved this past weekend. And uh, I guess we brought the kids along too. Um, And so uh, just kind of still living out of boxes and don't have everything set up yet. But uh, I think the sound quality is going to be just fine with our backup setup today. So uh, just give that a little bit of thought as we continue on into the podcast. But lots of things going on, despite the fact that there really isn't a lot of things going on. The, the Super Bowl was, you know, a while ago. Uh, free agency doesn't start for a while, but, you know, J.J. Watt and a whole bunch of other you know, big trades around the NFL have kept kept the train going, so to speak, uh, in the NFL and with the rumor mill. So we've got a lot of questions to get to this week uh, about how to attack that upcoming free agency period. So let's get right to your questions. This week's question I'm getting a lot from a bunch of different places is about J.J. Watt and uh, whether the Bills could afford him, whether the Bills would be interested in bringing him in and all that. Uh, Bruce Nolan covered that on a Breaking Buffalo Rumblings episode uh, Friday night on our podcast feed. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. But uh, they can definitely afford him um, if they release uh, Quentin Jefferson and uh, Vernon Butler on the defensive line. Not only would they create the hole for him to actually play on the defensive line, but they would also create the cap space necessary to sign him. So it would be a relatively easy move for the Buffalo Bills to bring in uh, J.J. Watt. Stefan Diggs, Uh, went on Twitter and actively recruited Watt, uh, telling him he should come to Buffalo. And JJ Watt, of course, actually liked the tweet, which I thought was fascinating. He hadn't liked any of the other tweets from any of the other players. And then he was posting videos of his wife crushing wings on their wedding day uh, for his Valentine's Day post. So it's It's probably just a huge social media game, but at least it's fun to play right now and um, know that when you know, a big-name player like J.J. Watt enters free agency and says he's looking for a ring, that the Bills are at least in the conversation. And that's, I mean, that hasn't been happening for a while. So I'm at least happy to see that. Um, as far as his play, uh, he, you know, he's not a defensive player of the year anymore. He's not going to be that, you know, dominating presence. But I think um, you know, him on one side and, and Jerry Hughes on the other side would be, very effective for the Buffalo Bills uh, defensive front. Um, you know, put him and Ed Oliver at defensive tackle on pass rushdowns with Jerry Hughes on the outside, and whoever you want on the other, uh, and say Mario Addison on the left defensive end, and you've got you know four solid pass rushers, and you can't double team them all. So, um, I would be pretty pumped to have J.J. Watt on the team for a year or two. Um, you know, he's lost a step with his injuries, but he still had a very, very successful pass rush win rate, uh, in 2020. And, uh, he's a guy I would definitely want to add to my arsenal uh, at pass pressure, uh, it, if we could make it all work out. And like I said, they would have to release a couple guys to make it happen with the salary cap, but it's not like it would be, you know, some insurmountable task to get JJ Watt a spot and the cash needed to get to the Buffalo bills. So that's a question I'm getting from a whole heck of a lot of places this week. So I figured we'd start with, you know, the elephant in the room, so to speak. On a related note, we head over to Twitter uh, for YNasty2318, who asks us, will the Bills dump a lot of those contracts from last year to make room to bring back Milano and get other linebacker and defensive line help? So he's talking about... The contracts that the Bills signed last offseason that gave them an out after one year, uh, Mario Addison, Quentin Jefferson, and Vernon Butler would all fall into that category on the defensive line, um, and I do think that it won't be surprising at all to see the Bills move on from at least two of those guys. Um, I tend to think Mario Addison's going to stick around, uh, but I mean, it's certainly on the table. Let's look at what those numbers actually look like. Here's a quick refresher on you know dead cap hits and all that stuff. When a team signs an NFL player, they sign him and and give him a signing bonus. That signing bonus is prorated over the entire life of the contract. So if you give a guy an $8 million signing bonus on a four year deal, 2 million of that will apply in each year of the contract. If he's cut, all of that money has to accelerate into the cap for the current year. So if you give that guy $8 million over four years, that's 2 million a year. He plays for you for two years. So is 4 million of that money still remaining to be accounted for? If you release him, now that 4 million becomes due automatically in that year. And so in a lot of those cases, it's actually less money on the salary cap because they have, say, like a $6 million salary on top of that signing bonus money. So that's what dead cap is. It's unaccounted for signing bonus money that hasn't been put into the salary cap yet because every single dollar that a player earns over the life of their contract has to be accounted for at some point so it's not like that signing bonus money just doesn't exist because the player got cut or retired or traded Uh, it has to be accounted for in the cap so Mario Addison is due 6.6 million dollars in base salary this year but he did have that uh a six million dollar signing bonus on his three-year deal so uh, he has 4 million in signing bonus money relate um remaining on his deal. So his cap hit in 2021 is just over $10 million. His dead cap hit is $4 million so they could save $6 million by cutting Mario Addison. I don't necessarily anticipate them cutting Mario Addison. I think he's the third guy on the defensive line that they would cut, but um you know, he's certainly on the list of guys you could cut um I would, I would just imagine that they would cut Vernon Butler or Quentin Jefferson before they do that. All three of those guys, by the way, have about a $6 million savings if you cut them. So let's look at those guys. Quentin Jefferson, two-year deal. His signing bonus was $3 million. So he has $1.5 million remaining in dead cap money. Uh, but his cap hit is $8 million in 2021 with a $4 million, $4.5 million salary, plus a big roster, $1 million roster bonus coming up. And so uh, his total cap hit being $8 million. If you release him, you free up $6.5 million in salary cap space this year. So Addison was $6.1 million. Uh, Quentin Jefferson is $6.5 million. Finally, Vernon Butler was a $2 million signing bonus. So he has $1 million remaining. Um, His base salary in 2021 is $5.5 million. His total cap hit $7.8 million in 2021 minus $1 million is $6.8 million in cap savings. So each of them over $6 million in salary cap savings. It would not surprise me at all to see one, two, or three of them gone this offseason to gain the cap space. Another guy, folks, have been talking about is Tyler Matikiewicz the special teamer his cap hit is 3.7 million dollars in 2021 and he only has three hundred fifty thousand dollars in dead cap so they could save more than 3.3 million dollars by releasing Tyler Matikiewicz their special teamer he did play a ton of special team snaps last year but that's a very large luxury for a team that doesn't have a kickoff returner right now under contract and um know, has problems fielding a starting caliber linebacker when you're paying $3 million to your uh, special teams linebacker. So uh, he's another guy that would fit into that question. And then the last question uh, or the last guy that would fit into that question might be AJ Klein, another linebacker. His deal is structured differently than all those players we talked about before. Um, It wasn't a one-year deal. It was more like a two-year deal. And the reason for that it is the, the guaranteed money in AJ Klein's contract. When he signed his contract, $3.2 million of his 2021 salary was guaranteed. So all those other players had all their guaranteed money given out in the first year. But AJ Klein has this you know, chunk of money sitting in 2021 that the bills are going to have to pay one way or the other. Now, if they included offset language and another team signs him for $3.2 million, the bills don't have to pay him. But I find that unlikely in a cap strapped year with how he played um, in 2020. So the bills are kinda married to AJ Klein this off season. Uh, his base salary is 4.1 million. Of course, 3.2 of that is guaranteed, like we said. Uh, and uh, he has $4 million in dead cap space So the bills would only save about $2.4 million by releasing him. And um, so they they certainly could do that to free up uh, a couple million dollars in salary cap space uh, if they were trying to get a specific thing done. But it's not as clear and easy as those other contracts we mentioned. Um, And so let's circle back to the question one more time. Will the Bills dump a lot of those one-year contracts from last year to make room to bring back Matt Milano and get other linebacker and defensive line help? I think they absolutely will. Uh, Butler, Jefferson, and even Addison really didn't play up to where they were supposed to last year when they got those contracts. So it's not even just a salary cap thing. It's also like really just a play on the field thing. Madikiewicz doesn't fit into that. He played really well on special teams. It's just kind of a luxury to have a $3.2 million linebacker on special teams. So I think absolutely is the answer to that. Thanks for your question over on Rumblings Q and a over on Twitter. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back in just a second. <music> to the other side of the ball and Instagram, where Dave Shortreed asks us, do you think they're looking at our running back core at all? seems like a little bit more power up the middle may have helped on a few occasions. I don't know, maybe somebody 6'5, 240 pounds or so, and not Josh Allen. <laughs> I like that last part. Um, I do think they're going to be looking at the running back position, uh, but I wouldn't anticipate them bringing in you know, a major upgrade there. Um, a lot of people keep mocking a running back to the Buffalo bills at number 30. Um, but I just don't see that after the Bills have dropped two third-round picks into that position over the last two years. It's a position where you can get talent late in the draft or in undrafted free agency or sign you know veteran minimum players. I'm just not a fan of running backs in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, you know, if you want more power, you, you've got Antonio Williams on a reserve contract. He's got more power. I think more of the running game problems stemmed from the offensive line than they did from the actual running backs. Um, and uh, Jeff Kantrowski has uh, put out some nice analysis pieces over at BuffaloRumblings.com on each of those offensive linemen that are free agents this year. And so we're going to get to Mitch Morse in a few weeks as well. Uh, but when when you look at Ike Bucker or John Feliciano, um. Brian Winters and Daryl Williams. Like, you can see what's going on with that running game. And I sometimes the the blocking doesn't necessarily match the play call. And so there's just... Uh, we talk a lot about how Brian Dable designs pass plays, but not as much about how he designs run plays. And I think that's where the Bills offense needs the most work this offseason is in run play design. So if they upgrade the offensive line play... Um, You know, re-signing Bucker, Feliciano, and Daryl Williams won't necessarily upgrade that offensive line play. So, I mean, keep that in mind if you're thinking that the Bills are just going to kind of run back everybody that played last year. Um, Even, I mean, let's sub Cody Ford in for Ike Bucker in that conversation. I mean, maybe that does better, but also they need to to spend some more time coming up with some better run play designs with uh, better blocking schemes Uh, And a run game coordinator isn't really out of the question for me. I think, I don't know, by this time in the offseason, if they were going to add one, they probably already would have. But that wouldn't be outside of my comfort zone if I was the Buffalo Bills to add a run game coordinator. Heck, they have a nickel coordinator on the defensive side of the ball, but they don't have a run game coordinator on the offensive side of the ball to kind of put everything together. Uh, so uh, I don't think they're going to spend a significant investment on the running back core, uh, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they picked up somebody late in the draft or an undrafted free agency. I think if they're going to upgrade the offensive line, it's going to be, uh, or if they're going to upgrade the running game, it's going to be on the offensive line. Thanks for your question over on Instagram at Buffalo Rumblings. Over at buffalorumblings.com. We've been highlighting different positions where the Buffalo Bills have free agents. This offseason, as I talked about earlier in the podcast, we did an entire day on Daryl Williams in the right tackle position. We did two days on the interior offensive line, like Bucker, Brian Winters, and John Feliciano. We did Isaiah McKenzie on Monday and Andre Roberts on Friday to talk about the returner position that's wide open because both of those guys are free agents. And later this week, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we've got Levi Wallace, Josh Norman, and Buffalo Bills cornerback two position under the microscope. On each of those days, we do an analysis of the player and how they played in 2020. 2020. We do a contract projection for what we think they're going to make on their next contract using some comparable contracts from around the league. We discuss who on the current roster could take over that spot. And then we dive into how we could replace them with guys from outside the roster, starting first with free agency and then the NFL draft before Bruce Nolan or I give our opinion on the whole thing, um, explaining what we think the Bills should do with that position, this offseason. season. And then finally, we let fans vote. We put up a poll and, um, and go through the fan voting. So let's look at a couple of the recent poll results. 73% of the respondents last week think that we should resign Daryl Williams to be the right tackle. 5% said resign Ty and Secchi 4% move Cody Ford to right tackle 5% plug and go with Trey Adams, which I thought was the most surprising result. And then, uh, 3% a free agent offensive tackle and 10% used the 2021 NFL draft. So after re-signing Daryl Williams, most people want to use the draft to get a, a right tackle. And uh that's yeah, that's pretty much where I'm sitting right now. If they can't get Daryl Williams, um, I'd rather they draft a guy who could play in that position. All right, last but not least, we have a text message into the Buffalo Rumblings Q&A line. At 716-508-0405. And it says, do you think it's a smart decision to re-sign Matt Milano and what cap room decisions the team could make? Um, Well, before last season, I would have told you that the Bills were going to re-sign Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds and they were going to be the Bills linebackers for a decade. Um, but now I'm a little bit more skeptical that that's actually going to happen uh, Matt Milano's injury history—he's uh, he's played dinged up. He's missed a game or two, but this year it, r- it really caught up to him, and he missed a whole bunch of of games. Plus the the COVID nineteen salary cap you know, constriction, uh, all of it kind of is is leading me to believe that the Bills aren't going to resign him, or they'll give him say a one year prove it deal or franchise tag him. I think the most likely outcome is that Matt Milano tests free agency and goes somewhere else. I think that's the most likely outcome. I think the second most likely outcome is that he takes a hometown discount and stays in Buffalo for a year or two, um, or even signs a long term deal on a hometown discount. But I don't think the Bills are going to give him full market value this offseason. Now, if he comes back a year from now and plays, you know, lights out, he could definitely get that big time, you know, market setting contract. But just with the injuries and and how he played and how the whole defense really played against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, I'd be surprised if the Bills signed Milano to a long-term, big-money deal this offseason. Thanks for your question. Over on our text line at 716 508 that's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, you too can send in your questions for next week's episode. Uh, again, 716 508 is the voicemail and text line at Rumblings Q&A. For the Twitter feed, Buffalo Rumblings on Twitter and Facebook will also get to me. You can email your questions, buffalorumblings at spnation.com. Get those questions in for next week's episode. And as always, go Bills. I'm <laughs>